Oh, hello everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Laughing Into the Void. Uh, my name is Tom, and co-hosting with me, as always, is the lovely Rosalind Paris. Hi! You can watch our previous episodes uh, and broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube, Facebook channels, or listen to them uh, on most podcast platforms. Uh, if you enjoy the stream, please consider making a donation of any size at districtcomedy.io. Alternatively, like, share, and subscribe to our stuff, as that also helps. Here today, we have Mark Colgrove. Mark! Woo! Woo, 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 woo! Yay! Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark is the producer and director of the indie films Driven to Succeed, which you can check out on Amazon Prime and Isle of the Damned, as well as various comedy sketches on YouTube. Uh, currently, he's playing guitar for the comedy slash rock band Dingleberry Dynasty, their last their, sorry, la not last, latest album, <laughs> Shit Show, is available hopefully on Spotify, Apple Music. Yeah, hopefully not last. Um, you heard it here first, though, if it is. Um, but Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, all those, you can find their album, and uh, you can find out more about the stuff he does at Mark on Instagram. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Uh, let's jump right in. Woo, 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 yeah, woo. thanks so woo. much for inviting me on. This, this is going to be fun. It is going to be yeah. fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so, like I was saying before we started airing, we always start and end each interview with the same questions. Um, so to start off, how would you describe your sense of humor to someone who has never seen you perform? Well, it's very, I guess, dark, dark sense of humor and very satirical, maybe a little, you know, self-referential i suppose and that's probably you know Roz, i'm sure has mentioned mondo baltimore a million times on yeah. the show but uh you know <laughs> it's every, everything i do is somehow rooted in like being aware of what it is at some in some way shape or form so meta yeah exactly he's like he's like a, a big like mark and i have known each other for seven years a long time. I said four, but I, yeah, I have no idea. But it just, it's only felt like four, and maybe it's been seven. Maybe a long it's felt time like now. seven. Years. <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I like to think of Mark as like a good fan of an elegant poop joke. You know, like <laughs> it's like a poop joke with a little bit of sophistication. Yeah, you know? poop served on a silver yeah, like platter a, in a cloche. Yeah, the poop <laughs> is wearing a tiara and a prominence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I still had myself spotlit. Don't worry. Oh. The stream wasn't showing me spotlit. But um, anyway, uh, so that's cool. I'm kind of curious about how that's going to uh, play into the whole. I've never heard of like comedy rock band before, except for like <laughs> those Pop Goes Runk. Uh, wow. I can't talk today. Pop Goes Punk albums. Uh, right. But first, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where you came from and uh maybe how that's influenced your passion for you know the music and the filmmaking and kind of influenced your voice in those areas yeah they, you know, we always we, we consider ourselves poo punk instead of pop punk but that's uh we're that's defining that genre but um yeah the music and comedy have always kind of been somewhat intertwined for me personally like um you know i met uh the the other guys in dingleberry probably 20 years ago or so and we were oh, all wow yeah we were all roommates the band's been around it might be 25 years now <laughs> they're 26 but we have to do like uh some sort of uh you know 
celebration show here at some point when we're all, you know, back reunited post pandemic. But um, yeah, we, we played together, you know, we made a lot of movies together over that time period, like uh, just kind of brothers in, in comedy. Um, you know, we were, um, we have a film company called Dire Wit Films that made a couple uh, B movies called, you know, Pleasures of the Damned and Isle of the Damned. We also have uh, well, those Mutantists behind me. We, we produced a bunch as well, but Isle of the Damned was the one I got to direct. And um, it's, a, it's a B movie that's very, you know, self-aware of what it is, you know, the, the humor all lies in, you know, how stupid the dialogue is essentially. So there's no like direct <laughs> comedy. It's just, you know, uh, very self-referential and, you know, yeah, everything's always kind of just been intertwined. I've kind of bounced back and forth from one thing to the other. When I get tired of music, uh, I'll go make some films and, and, you know, vice versa. We, Dixie, who's the, the singer from Dingleberry, him and I worked at Meriwether Post Pavilion for a few years too. And we oh, got, okay. Yeah, we got the privilege of like, we made videos that uh, would air on the Jumbotron, like in between bands. So it was kind of like, we went around and just found the drunkest fans possible we could interview. It was kind of like a heavy metal parking lot type situation. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so that could, you know, kind of cut our teeth doing that. And um, we turned out, we were doing like one or two videos a week um, there. And, you know, um, that really learned a lot from that and just kind of kept the ball rolling. I'm still rolling. Slowed down a bit in the last year, but <laughs> it's still rolling. Yeah. And I think that's true for <laughs> everything in the performance uh arena but um yeah. no that's really cool though what's it like um i gotta know for like working with the same group of people for like a two and a half decades like that's gotta be crazy are there any challenges with that or is it just like love and family the whole time you know everybody's got their uh you know it's kind of like when you have a brother you know brothers and sisters you know their their quirks and their idiosyncrasies and stuff like that but uh it is like a you know a happy family we all kind of you know gel and work together so that's i guess if, if we didn't you know it wouldn't have lasted anywhere near this long right? <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah, gotta yeah work I mean, together well at least yeah. on some level yeah. yeah i always i joined the so while we like lived together and made movies and shit together, I didn't join the band until like five or so years ago. Um, the guitar player they had, he moved to Florida and then I kind of just kind of swooped in. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe <laughs> I retired. Moved yeah, in, yeah. Moved into a home. Yeah. <laughs> he took yeah. over. The Dingleberry Dynasty retirement home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Um, so I mean, that's pretty miraculous. Like for any band, I feel like. I mean, Tom and I have been performing together for like over 10 years and we've been in, that was in two different improv troops and now in district comedy. So that's like three iterations that we've been doing creative stuff. So you guys have been together for 25-ish years. Like what do you think has kind of like helps that all stay cohesive? Because I think for most bands, they're ready to kill each other after like three. Yeah. I guess the fact that we've never had a hit record. Uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> there's no money to fight over. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just like a, it's a good love of doing it. We've gotten to like um, we've gotten to do some cool shit, you know, over the years. Um, you know, prior to the whole shutdown, we got to open for uh, Steel Panther, Mark Rebelay. You know, we played like some some really killer shows that we, you know 
um, comedy was the, a good entry point because when those bands are touring, you know, they, they're looking for other comedy acts in the area, <laughs> which there aren't many. Not that yeah. many comedy <laughs> musical acts, right? Uh, so it's a good little niche to check, I suppose. Yeah. And, but, and um, you guys play with the Dead Kennedys. That was like your last show before the pandemic, right? Yeah, it was actually, it was the very last show at the 930 Club before they oh, really? shut down. Yeah, so it was kind of, uh, it was pretty surreal because I remember uh, hanging outside with Sean Jones, like in the middle of uh, things, we're looking at our phone and like, holy shit, Tom Hanks has it. Like, that kind of like <laughs> oh. made it real for some dumb reason. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we were, <laughs> we were making coronavirus jokes up until the point where Tom Hanks got it. And then suddenly it was now uh, it's real. <laughs> That was a painful thing. But, if it um, could happen to him, it could happen to anyone, man. Yeah. yeah. We had a song. This um, is so relatable. He's just like me. Yeah. All that money. <laughs> we have a song uh, called Brush Your Teeth. That's, you know, about like having stinky breath and you need to brush your teeth. And we encourage, and the Dixie, the <laughs> singer, goes out into the crowd with toothpaste and toothbrush and brushes people's <laughs> teeth. But for that show, we changed it to wash your hands. And you went around with Purell and there was like a mosh pit that broke out, you know, for the try, trying to get to him and trying to get Purell, which, you know, now that we know how it's COVID actually, actually Purell. Yeah, yeah. Now that we know how COVID's actually spread, that probably wasn't the most sanitary uh, thing in the world or to have people climbing all over each other to get Purell. The, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, I don't think, but uh, yeah. Yeah. You tried, you tried yeah. to bring sanitized alcohol to the masses i guess yeah right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. um well cool um and so like when okay so you said you joined dingleberry like five years ago like when mm -hmm. did you start making movies i guess i started I started making movies probably around 2000 or so uh early 2000 um actually uh yeah so one of the first shorts I did was The Adventures of Fratman and Pledge Boy, which was in college. I always had like a, well, even go, rewinding before that too, you know, um, even in high school, I would make, you know, the we'd be assigned an English paper and, you know, we'd convince the teacher to do our own like, you know, dumbass version of Othello or like, you know, on, on video, you know, shot on my parents' camcorder. Uh, and, you know, we would always turn them into like a satirical, yeah, it was a comedy. It was like, yeah, I remember our version of Othello had like a close-up of a cat turd in a litter box or something. Like that. <laughs> uh, you know, the goal was always just make the class laugh, right? And, uh, just Yeah. Yeah, not much has changed, I guess, since then. Uh, <laughs> cat turds and, you know, trying to make other people laugh and, you know, find some humor and some, some dark-ass shit, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I feel like that's like one of the main, like, things of comedy at least from like some of the other people who have been on this show it's like either like a way to like process or deal with stuff or like a way they're trying to like help other people try and like deal with their own lives do you mm -hmm. find that that's uh true for your comedy styles at all as far as like trying to kind of give other people something they can latch on to as kind of a break from their day-to-day yeah Take a break with some cat turds yeah exactly <laughs> definitely i mean you know anytime i can turn my brain off and you know for an hour or two and just enjoy something um you know it's probably you know dingleberry doesn't really get political much or you know it's just 
stupid, you know, and that's the, that's the goal. I think we tried to do uh, like a Trump thing once and it didn't work out well. <laughs> so just it. But it's also, you know, that, that stuff also has like a limited shelf life, you know, yeah. um, when you're, you know, sort of referencing a thing, you know, it's like, oh, we can't play that song four years from now. No one's going to know, you know, right. What coffee? God you willing. Know? <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Yeah, I feel like that's a weird stickler for we actually haven't had that many political comics on because I feel like it's such a distinct type of comedy and it's yeah. you're right, the shelf life is so short. But also I feel like for a lot of people, comedy is like an escape. So if you bring mm -hmm. politics into it, people are just like, nope, nope, done, bye, bye, even, <laughs> yeah. you know. I think yeah. the closest we've probably had is Brooks, and he doesn't do political comedy. He's just also a politician. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is... We had our we had our friend on who's a uh, alderman. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we talked up a little bit about politics, but like he doesn't really make that his shtick. I think I feel like comedy <laughs> is kind of his like life outlet. away from yeah, yeah mm -hmm. his outlet. That's very cool. Yeah, I guess if you're an alderman, it's unavoidable, right? <laughs> it's got to work its way into your email. Although you did make me think it'd be really funny to like see how you could make a song about like brushing your teeth somehow bipartisan. Yeah. <laughs> what is that oh. a metaphor for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much fodder right now. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> you got the gears turning though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like your molars are the Democrats and your canines are the Republicans, uh -huh. and they all just want to be free of plaque. Yeah, and black so is the lack of all guys. Yeah, it's the lack of black is the lack of freedom, and everyone wants to have freedom. <laughs> we got to brush together to make the infrastructure of our country work. Boom. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> rhyme. Um, How do we rhyme? What do we rhyme infrastructure with? That's always the trick, right? Um. Try to hush her. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I just like structure. Rupt rupture. 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 Something could rupture. Oh, yeah, cavities. Ayo. Ayo. No, that's not yeah. how cavities work. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, it's good to think about. These are important conversations. Uh, this is how we relate to the masses. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm also kind of interested because you said that you have like produced some videos uh, more in the sketch genre for YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's some insight into what that process is like? How do you feel like it uh, is different from your more traditional films? Just like yeah. feature lengths. Yeah, so we had done uh, a couple feature lengths at that point. This was probably early 2010s, 2012, somewhere in that time frame. And it was motivated by, there was a stand-up slash improv show that used to be at the wind-up space that, uh, our, our lovely Dr. Acula used to used to run called the Regional Bohemian Hour. And do you remember that, Roz? Uh, I think I was invited to it once or twice, but I never went. <laughs> it did, <Damn>. Yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't last. It was shorter than a year. And then I think he got sick of running it and booking comics and, and whatnot. And uh, we had, we tapped out. We were trying to do a video for each show. Uh, so it would kind of go like, the schedule for each night would be like improv followed by some stand-ups followed by a video to kind of close things out and um so it was cool having like that little deadline uh you know we had to make sure we had a new video every single month and um so we tried to make stuff that was easy to film you know no elaborate concept with you know 
500 extras and you know yeah <laughs> yeah you have to keep it simple um and uh it kind of grew out of the Meriwether stuff we were doing so a lot of the same people uh Dixie and, and some of the key like core folks kind of started doing that and it was nice to like be as foul as we wanted to be too because with the Meriwether stuff obviously we were it was we were allowed to push the envelope but it was also it was a paid job so we couldn't go too <laughs> far right and uh I'm sorry the, I think I missed something what's the what's the Meriwether oh um so Meriwether Post Pavilion uh when we did the videos there I guess that was probably late 2000s so that was dixie and myself going around and interviewing drunken fans and you know oh, yeah, yeah. They were the it's like a it's a concert for for those of you who aren't local that's right it's a, it's a big concert venue um i get it's in baltimore county right yeah howard uh in columbia howard county. yeah okay yeah so it's outside of baltimore it's like sort of between baltimore and dc mm-hmm. it's a big outdoor uh I don't want to call it a facility because that sounds weirdly medical, but like <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a big outdoor establishment with like a stage and then there's an overhang and seats and then there's a big lawn and they have these huge jumbotrons so you can see the the show if you didn't afford the the close up seats or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was so um, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool ass venue. Um, hopefully they they get back to doing some shows here soon, but um. Yeah, we did a shitload of videos for them and then, um, you know, for the Jumbotron in between acts. And then shortly after we, uh, you know, it kind of morphed into this sketch thing where we were a little more unhinged and started doing stuff for YouTube. So we did like, um, I remember, you know, at the time, like Intervention was big. So we had one where uh, John Bennett was the the host that's performing the Intervention. And we had, I remember we had Dixie in a diaper. He was a man baby. So, um, you know. <laughs> um yes his his diaper gets changed you know in the videos yeah we got to do a little more than than we were doing previously at Meriwether but um ultimately uh I I recently went back and watched that one on YouTube because just morbidly curious to watch some of my old shit you know Mm -hmm. and uh, that one was up (laughs) over uh a hundred thousand views just because it had man baby in the title (laughs) <laughs> and the thumbnail was a picture of John Bennett kind of wrestling this naked man, more or less. Uh, so for any aspiring filmmaker out there, just really tap into perversion and have half-naked people as mm-hmm. your thumbnail. Yeah. yeah. And you'll get a shitload of hits. Get the, That's really the, the, the secret. Half-naked people sells? No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Although you might have reached like the benefits of YouTube having less sophisticated algorithms at yeah. that point. I, I just teared up a little bit because the comments were like, oh, I can't masturbate to this. Come on, guys. <laughs> you are on the wrong tube, my sir. Uh, oh, my God. That's cool, though. I'm surprised also that like a large venue like that would be uh, so well uh, adaptive to comedy because that's one of the like... Uh, not the best shows I remember from my improv times with Roz was when we did the Bowie Bay Sox Stadium. That was like, uh, oh wow! <laughs> it, it, sometimes I feel like it can be hard to kind of translate something that's like you got to focus on what people are saying and it can potentially be like really fast into a larger venue. Uh, mm-hmm. Let alone if it's like a situation where we had where it was like a huge stadium on a Thursday with like four people <laughs> <laughs> on the hottest day of the year and everyone was angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, well, well, so were you guys like live when you were filming these skits or like, was there like at least like a radio delay? No. So the, uh, the Meriwether stuff, actually the, the perverted sketch I just described was not <laughs> tied to the <laughs> venue. So sorry if that was unclear, but we just started doing them after, you know, our, uh, our tenure with the venue sort of ended and we we're like, let's keep this going because we're having a shitload of fun. So yeah. let's do stuff that's a little more unhinged. But we did, you know, we did push the envelope at the venue too. And I'm, I'm, God, we did so many videos. Um, you know, I can't, I, I'm just thinking back to like, uh, you know, we just find drunk fans and get them to do whatever. And, um, <laughs> you know, I remember, uh, you know, one that recently came to mind is just, you know, you never know what's going to come out of somebody's mouth. Yeah. Uh, but I, I went back and watched one of those videos recently and it was like, the shit random people in the crowd were saying and that we were airing on the jumbotron like that would not fly at all in 2020 uh yeah. <laughs> like uh you know the <laughs> fact that this made it to air is is astounding yeah i guess yeah. i guess when you've been like making creative product for a long time like you have to kind of like look back at it and be like I don't know. It, it, is it strange to you? Like when you look back, you're like, yeah, that was really funny then, but today that would not apply. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I'm sure you guys see this too, but like, so I, I'm either like pleasantly amused, like something's funnier than I remembered it being, or I'm embarrassed, like horrifically, you know, like, I hope this thing gets buried forever. Yeah. yeah, that's how I feel. Like that was actually, I think I like twitched a little bit when you were talking about going back and watching your older videos i've done that from time to time to like try and like oh i wonder how my material's different now than when <laughs> i started and it's like no you don't want to you don't want to remind yourself yeah <laughs> it's just like oh my god i can't believe i thought that was funny or yeah sometimes <laughs> like there's a couple times i'm like pleasantly surprised and it's like that's okay that's a good <laughs> one maybe i might try and revive that mm -hmm. i definitely yeah. have moments where like when i'm lying awake at night and i'm remembering every mistake i've ever made in my life I get like mm -hmm. flashes of improv scenes I did in high school or in my early 20s. And I'm like, no. no. Yeah, I can't. Why did we think that was funny? Yeah. Um, and, and high school improv was like just yelling. Yeah. It was just yelling. Uh, sorry, what were you saying? Yelling equals comedy. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the louder, the if your joke is the loudest, that automatically makes it the funniest. If, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it, if it's so loud, it's the only one being heard, that it's technically true. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of the improv I've seen was always, it's always tricky because not, you know, most of the venues I've seen it at, you know, no one's mic'd up. So you got to, you know, kind of project and yeah, I don't know, something like the silent coyote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I liked, uh, you know being able to film these sketches and stuff because a lot of comedy is subtle and you know muttered under you know or it's just a look in somebody's eye that you might not be able to see from the back of the room so you get a good close-up of it you know yeah, yeah. it's yeah well, it's definitely you know it's it's interesting trying to adapt shit for film for sure i think I bet, which yeah. shot is going to make this the funniest yeah well you also have to i feel like for <laughs> For a lot of like the stand-up comedians or improv comedians we've interviewed, you know, like I'm not good at planning stuff ahead of time. Like I can consistently show up on time and perform, um, but you're kind of just kind of get what you get. And like, <laughs> if anything needs to be planned ahead of time, like 
it, it's kind of a crapshoot for me over whether or not it's going to turn out well. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just laughing while you're saying this. I don't think that you give yourself enough credit. <laughs> like people yeah, are going to think but that I you're mean, serious. Like, <laughs> but like as, as a filmmaker, there's a lot about your comedy that you have to like have planned out ahead mm-hmm. of time or like mm-hmm. have you know think about or like you know you have to be able to say okay that scene didn't work let's do it a second time Mm -hmm. and so like how do you know in the moment like when to slow things down and like back them up I guess that's kind of an abstract question yeah well first off you're not giving yourself enough credit because you're (laughs) fucking funny as shit and you do it on the fly every week at at Mondo so uh yeah, that's something I could never do. Like I'm, I'm a little slow, so like uh, I have to have shit written down and well mapped out. I warned you ahead of time. I'm like, I can't be that funny on this podcast. I can, you know, I might be able to say an insightful thing or two, but I'm, I'm not going to be funny tonight. But uh, we go for um, insight. We go for I'm, insight. Yeah. yeah, but when it's written down, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. And that's that's kind of the way we rolled into the films and like both the sketches that we did and then the Driven to Succeed movie uh, that we did in 2015, 2016, um, which ultimately kind of grew out of the sketches. It was like, Mm -hmm. we went from feature film back down to sketches to get that kind of like instant gratification and kind of like, to a certain extent, really do quantity. So you learn better and quicker, like what you're doing, learn what works. And then we just kind of scaled back up to do this movie and, we approached it with like, we did have a script um, and it had like, you know, some zingers in there, some good lines, but then we'd, we'd do it, we'd film the script and then we'd film it improv a few times as well. Um, so we probably, any one scene would probably have, you know, five or six takes the whole way through. And then what ended up, you know, making it to the screen in the end was like a mishmash of scripted lines with like some improv lines thrown in um so whatever you know was funniest and we shot everything with um two or three cameras at a time too so that uh you know (laughs) when you're doing improv takes like on film you know you will have one cut that's wildly different than the next uh cut so you know someone stands five feet away you know from where they were all of a sudden it's not going to cut with the previous take so the more cameras you have there, the merrier. Um, it definitely, uh, it was. It made it able to, you know, it made it easier to blend everything uh, in the end. So that was our approach, and um, yeah. I'd say what ended up on the screen was probably about 50-50 of like scripted lines versus improv stuff. Well, yeah, and that's a good point because I feel like so often that's part of uh, you know the elusiveness that is comedy, like there are certain things that like when you're writing them out seem like they're really funny or they're gonna work and then like you get there the day of and it's just not landing the same and sometimes like the writing does hold up but a lot of the times it has nothing to do with the writing and then it's like just you know how the actor's feeling that day which is where the improv comes in to try and get that you know impulsive town crazy energy (laughs) yeah yeah Take and bobbin head stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's like I think that's part of why like the idea of directing like comedy shorts or I mean like you did a full length, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. But like you know because there's as an improv like you know you work on your skills and you go and perform or like mm-hmm. as a stand up you write your jokes you perform you work on your delivery you work on your material. 
but I feel like there's so many extra steps with filmmaking. It's like, you're writing the concept ahead of time. You're on set in person, working with the actors, deciding how many takes you need. And then you're in the editing room, like figuring out what's the best. Like, it just seems like it's a whole lot of editing yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, how do you feel like, so did you do the editing for the movie or did somebody else do it? Yeah, I did the editing as well. I feel like, uh, well, A, I don't think anybody would want to take on that monumental task for free. Uh, <laughs> and it's daunting. But then B, you know, I would feel like, I wouldn't want to cheat myself out of that. They say like editing is directing for the second time. You get yeah. to, you know, yeah. comb through everything, pick out the best takes. Um, so uh, yeah, I had a lot, I, honestly, that was, I mean, the shooting was fun. Don't, you know, we were cracking up, you know, the whole time, but um, you know, it was also fun editing. Like it didn't feel like work, even though that's what I do for work. Uh, <laughs> I was eager to sit there and, you know, chew through the scenes and, and get them cranked out. And, if you're laughing while you're cutting it, then you know you're on the right track, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I totally get that. There's yeah, like sometimes yeah. where like, uh, where I'm not, the nights generally that I'm not hosting one of these shows, I'm still running the tech for it. And that's always like kind of fun because I like watching <laughs> the shows, you know? Um, and like, yeah, I feel like uh, editing, that's kind of a similar thing when you get to laugh while you're kind of working but um kind of going back to the whole movie producer thing because there's so many steps to it and it's so different than like the stuff that we do um what do you think is like the biggest challenge in the filmmaking process definitely the scheduling as i'm sure you guys probably know that too from the you know podcast side or just getting an improv troupe together getting everybody <laughs> in the same room at the same time especially yeah. when you know, we this was a film made for five thousand dollars, so nobody got paid. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, that five thousand went into um, you know basically all the props that you know any prop that you saw on screen basically was where that money went. Um, so uh, you know, people with kids, you know, soccer practice, yeah, just lining up that fucking schedule was a nightmare. <laughs> um, and you know you get to a location and you got we've nailed like some awesome locations but it's like all right you can shoot in our bar from 11 30 to noon a.m <laughs> yeah so you gotta like, include setup and breakdown <laughs> yeah exactly so uh you know we got a lot of shit done in a, you know um yeah really short amount of time all, all things considered but it wasn't like uh you know a real hollywood movie where they're filming like 12 hours that day we would you know be lucky to maybe get four you know uh, yeah just well, yeah but i also feel like um you know part of the whole pandemic is i feel like uh, a lot of people are recognizing that they like that content more than the mainstream hollywood stuff i've just been like mm -hmm. seeing a big surge in like everybody's kind of becoming their own content creators now so everybody has like that much more choice and therefore like they don't have to settle for like watching whatever the latest hollywood trash is you know um which is great um, yeah yeah no it's back in the arms of the people you know i mean some of the funniest shit i've seen is on like tiktok and reddit now i mean yeah, uh, yeah. like 30 second videos you know not not feature length so and definitely not professionally filmed either <laughs> not on uh, yeah not planned out maybe planned out somewhere at least you know I'll give I give everybody that you know this shit is is pretty clever you know that, yeah. uh, it, 
these kids are coming up with some clever stuff these days, I tell you. <laughs> well, and I think like TikTok especially kind of makes it easier too, because uh, talking about the algorithm earlier, it's like you're almost guaranteed to have a somewhat successful video if you're like clipping with another popular video or whatever it is, stitching it, <laughs> um, oh, okay. and, or like using like a popular song or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't understand TikTok and I refuse to use it. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> How is the government going to recognize your face? Uh, I've been using Facebook since I was like 18, so I'm sure they have enough pictures of my face. Yeah. So and I guess you have a driver's license. I do have a driver's license, yes. Last time I checked. <laughs> Speaking of which, okay, Mark, I want to ask you about this one scene in Driven to Succeed mm -hmm. because it's probably... There's a lot of memorable moments in that movie, but I want to know how the demolition derby stuff happened because like, spoiler alert, like the sort of climax of the movie happens at a demolition derby and mm. all the driving instructors kind of meet up with all the other characters and a car gets destroyed. So like what went into that and like, how the hell did you make that happen? Yeah, it was an interesting, so uh... <laughs> I guess just jumping back for a split second. So one thing I, I guess I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about the process a little bit was we had the luxury of like writing. We knew who was going to play each part. So when we sat down mm -hmm. to write the script, you know, those lines were written specifically for those people, which I highly advise anybody that's trying to like, uh, you know, write a script, uh, you know, you know, because a lot of times you get the wrong actor in place and like that dialogue stupid coming out of that person's mouth. But uh, also... <laughs> Also part of that writing process was like, we knew, you know, to follow the 80s comedy trajectory, you know, we had to end with this demolition derby. And um, we, I don't think we wrote it yet until we knew we would get, be able to get the location. So we reached out to the, you know, I don't know what, we didn't have a plan B, so I don't know what that would have been, but um, we reached out to the location and they were like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a there's a demolition derby in Arcadia that basically did not give a shit what we did, uh, and um, they were super cool. Um, they helped us. You know, um, we were able to meet some of the drivers there. We went and sort of cased like an event prior to actually filming and met some of the drivers. Some of them offered to help out. You know, with the film. Uh, give us some advice. Um, we smashed my old car up, which at the time <laughs> oh, no. it was uh, it was pretty much worthless anyway. It was like uh, yeah, the air conditioning had died in it. I was just it was like 14 years old at this point. I'm like, okay, it's worth $700 in the blue book. Let me just sacrifice <laughs> it for art here. So um, yeah, we. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty stressful day, obviously, you know, we had, you know, probably, you know, 15, 20 pages of script to shoot in like <laughs> one day. Uh, so that was one of our longer days. Um, but um, With the type of men who have been huffing gasoline for half their lives. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, we had to ADR a lot of it because it was, you know, so fucking loud there. Um, but ultimately... Um, yeah, the car flip went great. Like uh, Dixie was, you know, the brave soul behind the wheel. That uh, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> he really wanted to flip the car. One of the uh, professional drivers offered to flip it, but 
Dixie was like, nope, I want to do this. And uh, so we had three cameras on it. And there was this little, uh, you know, mound of dirt or whatever. And one of the guys just told him, like, hit it at this angle and you'll you'll roll it. Um, <laughs> we were dumbasses. We never, you're supposed to put in roll bars in the car, <laughs> which oh, uh, I shouldn't be saying this publicly, but we did not do that. So uh, uh, at any rate, um, we didn't have time prior to the shoot. So at any rate, um, Dixie rolled the car. We had three cameras on it. It looked good. Uh, <laughs> you just see, they were, uh, this was back when we all drank. Everybody's like all sober now, but we were drinking while we were shooting that day too. So you just, the car oh, flipped God. over and you just see all these beer bottles roll out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Consumed that day. And then, uh, and then we saw his helmet roll out and oh, like no. the first thought of my mind is like is he dead like did we decapitate him but no he pops out of the car and he gives me a big hug and he's like this was the best day of my life like, <laughs> don't tell your wife that uh, <laughs> you know um oh, it was uh yeah it was uh, we lucked out you know yeah. all uh you know all the stars fucking aligned, you know. You, you don't get that often in the in the filmmaking <laughs> world, you know. Everything's got to work just right. Yeah, this also yeah. perfectly like mirrors the conversation we had at Mondo on Friday, where we were talking about. Um, so, if you're not a horror fan, uh, there's this movie called Zombie or Zombie Two, depending on what you want to call it. Uh, and there's this iconic scene in it where a zombie fights a shark. And we were talking about how they filmed that scene. And it's literally just a man in zombie makeup underwater fighting an actual shark with no insurance. <laughs> and we were, all about how <laughs> we were all laughing about how ridiculous that was. And now I know that Mark is, is that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kudos. Yeah, shout out to Dixie. You know, he fucking... Yeah. Put it all on the line that day. Um, <laughs> yes, we probably should have taken more safety measures, but uh, I don't know. The the one of the other you know pro drivers, pro drivers that uh, you know we were consulting with was like uh, you know when we were asking about rolling the the car, he's like, I rolled my car like twelve times last season, so you know. That kind of, it, it's almost like somebody going like, uh, you know, it's fine to go out without a mask and Corona what times. Yeah. You know? So we're like, you know, oh, it, it put us at ease. Like, it's soothing, you know. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? You've, so, uh, you've reminded me, you're probably not the person I want to be taking advice from. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he sounded like such an authority at the time. He was so convincing <laughs> that he convinced us and... Uh, but yeah, to be fair, I've, I've got out. just enough mountain blood in me where given the chance to flip a car, I probably would do it. Yeah. I'd probably <laughs> do it even without insurance. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. We did, uh, we had so much shit to shoot that day that like we did end up, it was almost like a Hollywood production. I remember we probably had like, you know, 20 people on crew and we split into two units and everything just to get everything done and then some of it didn't quite turn out right so we did have to come back uh, a second day to finish out but oh, wow um, but yeah they do the event like two or three times a year so we only had those particular days ah. you know it couldn't <laughs> rain you know uh, there were just the stars aligned we, we lucked out 
it's also just always a super hot day because I've been to that mm-hmm. demolition derby before. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like the type of hot day where like they have the fire department just like water everything down periodically with their hose trucks to make sure nothing catches on fire. Like, yeah, that's fair. It's that always comforts hot. me to know that they do that. Yeah. I didn't realize that was something they well, did. Yeah, it's put on by the fire department. So that, that oh. made me feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah knowing that the jaws of life are not too far away <laughs> yeah i mean if your friend gets decapitated luckily there are amts nearby and they can maybe sew his head back on but you know <laughs> <laughs> awesome. oh man uh but yeah so kind of going back a little bit is there a universal creative process that you use for like all these different things or does kind of each medium necessitate its own specific method? Yeah, I mean, no, you know, honestly, no real creative process on my end. It just kind of flows. I mean, the uh, the idea for the for Driven to Succeed kind of came out of uh, the the job I took at the time. I was had to drive a company vehicle, and then they forced you to go through a day and a half of driver's ed. <laughs> so uh, it got me thinking back to like all the shitty, you know, driver's ed classes when I was 16. I'm like, okay, this would be some good fodder. But um, yeah, I mean, generally, uh, you know, on the films, we'll, we'll get together and like brainstorm, you know, a group of people. Um, on this one, we had, uh, you know, Brian Preston, who you guys probably know, and I know Roz does. Yeah. And, um, and Dave Spencer uh, and myself were kind of the, the three writers that um, we got together one night, brainstormed what the whole plot was going to be. And then we each kind of were assigned to write a third of it, um, which oh, nice. that was never, yeah, that was never done that before, but um, it just some, felt like a good way to break up the work. And then we kind of each went back over the other, the sections that each other wrote to kind of, um, you know, punch him up a bit. Like Brian was the good, you know, one-liner guy. That, you know, he punched up some of the jokes uh, throughout. And um, you know, I think Dave was more of a good, you know, structure guy. So everybody's kind of talents blended well. You know, on the that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool because I feel like a lot of people going into that process, which is kind of like dive into the script solo. And mm-hmm. me, it's that sounds especially with a comedy like you're kind of blending a lot of different skills when you're mm-hmm. writing a comedy, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. like, if you're writing a horror movie, you know, you're probably going to need someone who's good at makeup. You're going to need somebody that can film in day and night or pick up the right sounds. And you're going to need to write, like write a script. Script. I can't talk. Um, <laughs> okay, me neither. I've been fucking up words all night. <laughs> but, um, so that's kind of cool. Cause I don't, I don't think, you know, if I was like, I want to make a movie, I don't think I would, I would think to sit down with two other people and mm-hmm. split up the work that way. So that's a really interesting process. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think it was good, you know, being able to bounce stuff off of other people, as I'm sure you guys know, with improv, you know, uh, <laughs> you get better things a lot of times when everybody puts their head together. The horror movies stuff, uh, those were kind of written in a bubble by, uh, my partner in crime on the on the horror side is this guy named Mark Lequet, who's brilliant, but he's he's like brilliant in his own mind. Like he's a really quiet kind of guy, but mm-hmm. then he'll sit down and bang out like a, a knockout script in like you know yeah. a weekend basically. So 
I think different people do it different ways, but um, Dave Spencer too. He's he's a great writer that can write on his own, but I definitely couldn't. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, I wouldn't even make it through like the first draft of the script. Like that'd be too much. Yeah. But yeah. It's kind of yeah, interesting it's about... too, because it's like, you talk about the different people being involved in it and like one person being one-liners and one person kind of contributing structure. And yeah. I just think that that's so interesting because it's, almost kind of reflective of like the people that we've kind of met on this show they tend to kind of fall into different comedy categories too like being more joke structured or uh more character driven or stuff like that so the fact crowd that work. you blended Background. them all into yeah crowd work yeah. Uh, <laughs> are able to blend them all but with this uh collaborative writing process that's got to be like the main benefit i feel yeah definitely and then uh, like with Dingleberry, it's kind of the songs would we'd always noodle around on ideas. And then back when we all smoked cigarettes, we would go outside and have a smoke together. And that's where the funny ideas would happen for whatever reason. And then we'd come back into the room and, and play it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, nobody smokes anymore. So I don't know uh, if we're going to be able to be funny anymore, but you know, no one smokes, I'm no sure one drinks. <laughs> yeah, no one smokes, no one drinks. It's, <laughs> Gonna be a what whole you guys new, do? Uh... Sit around taking vitamin C supplements and talking about your 401ks until some yeah. <laughs> get jacked up on greed. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also nice trying to like just being able to like have the group together and kind of on the same page and immediately be able to like jump into realizing the idea that you just had together. Yeah, once yeah, similar to what I was saying about the editing, I guess once we were all laughing, like okay, we know okay, this is a golden idea. Let's pull the trigger on this. If it's like only one person laughing, then you know it's kind of like okay, that might be a niche. We, you know, we need to we need to do crowd pleasers here, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting too because like that kind of makes me think. One of the first and probably best pieces of advice I ever got about writing stand up was like, you have to think it's funny. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't think it's funny, no one else is gonna think it's funny. So you have to at least laugh about it once for it to be worth like putting into your set. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I feel like if you're working with a group creatively, like, you know, when everybody's laughing, like, you know, that's when you hit that sweet spot. And it's like, like with an improv troupe, like, you know, somebody has a skill when you're at a rehearsal and they're doing something in a scene and everyone's losing their shit, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and you're like, oh wow so and so is really good at like miming or political humor or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i say that looking at tom knowing he's really good at miming <laughs> oh man college <laughs> am i right um god yeah. right. there's always like certain people like i feel like i know too that are like arbiters of good taste and if you get a smile out of them then you know it's good you know yeah, yeah. i think that's also yeah that's very telling is if you can get somebody who normally doesn't laugh to laugh then you know it's good but mm -hmm. like yeah i definitely agree with you too Roz, and that advice that you have that's like <laughs> yeah if even you don't think it funny it's probably not very funny yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So, uh, for sure Okay, uh, so we are kind of winding down. This doesn't have to be like our last ultimate final, final question, but I do always want to make sure we at least ask it. Uh, we like to jam it in. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just also like, 
so bad at staying focused honestly like if i don't <laughs> ask it now i won't remember later but um nonetheless uh what are your long-term goals in relationship to pursuit of either like comedy filmmaking the music what are your long-term goals and also if there's anything more uh just on the horizon that you want to plug this is also your opportunity to do that yeah i think i mean i'm definitely at a point where i'm like I feel like I've done everything I want to do. Like I'm just doing <laughs> bonus laps now. So I don't know, uh, I don't know where it's going to take me next. I think uh, I'll probably continue to do more music stuff. And I haven't, um, the filmmaking, uh, it's insanely rewarding, you know, but it's also insanely stressful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know, maybe something, maybe I'll be motivated by an idea or something at some point to, to kind of get back into it. You know, there's always like this, inkling it like you have it's, it's always great fun to be shooting mm -hmm. uh the editing can be fun the premieres can be fun but there's certain aspects of it like you know just the scheduling not knowing if you decapitated somebody that really like <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> stressful fucking situation and then really uh, relatable struggles like whether yeah. or not you decapitated your friend yeah. yes yeah <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> So I'll probably continue to do the music stuff, you know, um, obviously Roz, Mondo Baltimore has been pretty rewarding getting out and, you know, um, what you and Mike do is, is more of the artistic element, you know, we're just, uh, you know, kind of like DJs, right, picking a movie, but... Um, <laughs> about that i mean mondo baltimore has been going on this is our 11 uh, 11 year anniversary right mm -hmm. i've only been part of it for like two two maybe two is and a half two? years yeah you've been part of mondo from the beginning haven't you mm -hmm. yeah so i mean mondo's been around for 11 fucking years so clearly you're at least part of the reason <laughs> yeah no we uh there's no shortage of shitty movies to show so uh <laughs> I think that's that you know true. being a, being able to appreciate a shitty movie I think is a sign of you know a, a good humorous personality I think right yeah absolutely would you yeah. say yeah but you kind of touched on something interesting too with that or it reminded me of what you said earlier in the interview which was kind of like the idea of like you kind of have the two artistic outlets so that you can kind of like when you get burned out on one you can kind of switch to the other uh, mm -hmm. Do you want to talk more about that, or uh, is there like, is it more like getting burnt out on one, or is it like the idea you're talking about of like getting inspired to go back to the other one? Yeah, I think I guess it's more of a getting inspired thing. Um, some things just kind of happen organically with the music thing. Like I was asked to play in Dingleberry Dynasty, so I thought about it for a minute. Like, do I want to commit? I think about it for 24 hours. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a shitload of fun um i was you know uh asked to play in a band later this summer that i'm excited about i don't know if i should spill the beans yet because he hasn't announced it publicly yet but i'll Ooh, I'll, I'll save that <laughs> i'll save that for later exclusive. but uh oh, okay yeah um, we always we get this close to exclusive content it was <laughs> like nah i'm not gonna waste it on them yeah. I don't want to be the I don't want to be the dickhead because he hasn't announced any shows yet, you know, and be the dickhead. You know, he's like, if if me and Roz and uh our 
singular viewer right now promise not to say anything. <laughs> like, these streams are, like, the best place if you've got a secret. Like, <laughs> here. We also have, I also have a joke really, like, niche to, like, local Maryland bands that I want to make, but I'm also, like, a tiny part of me is afraid that it might accidentally land on the truth, so I'm, like, holding a joke in right now. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I want to know what this is now, but I'll uh, and <laughs> we'll, we'll have a little wrap up chat. We'll 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 we'll, we'll wrap yeah. after yeah. after the streams down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So on the music front, things have just kind of happened organically. I did an album uh, over the pandemic just by myself in the basement, which is not comedic at all. It's just uh, you know some some rock tracks that I, I wanted to get out because you know you might have seen uh seen it on netflix it's called inside he goes by the stage name bo burnham no. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that did get serious didn't it? no yeah. it was a very serious one but no that's awesome though like yeah also hard like kudos to yourself for being able to like stay creative during these times like it's been hard <laughs> yeah yeah um, not not an easy feat but i guess you just uh We've all kind of adapted to this like Zoom lifestyle, I think, to a certain extent too. Or, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know where things are going forward, but you know, for now, screaming at my laptop is working for me. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My yeah. neighbors not so much, but for me it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom's in his closet right now. Never felt better. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably the best for what uh, gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> The sweaters, the, oh, the sweaters. Okay. That's, did. Fair. Yeah. that's fair. But that's good acoustics. They absorb the the sounds. Honestly, it it's not the worst uh, yeah. setup. Uh, but yeah, it's uh it's good. And uh, no, I was just gonna kind of follow up with saying that like yeah, it seems like you are like one of those people who, if I had to guess, like has to always constantly be doing something creative in one manner or another, like where for people like me who have to like go at it like a mule um it seems to just kind of come naturally to you which is very cool yeah thanks yeah it's uh it's been fun um yeah um you know i yeah the uh the album kind of grew out of like a need to do something while i was here and probably you know i wouldn't have done it if not for the pandemic it's like uh you know, I had this dream of like, oh, I'm going to get a band together. We're going to learn these songs. Then we'll go record them. But it was like, oh, well, shit, I can't get a band together. Better just fucking do it. And, you know, it's one of those things like who knows if it would have happened in the in the real world where you're out doing stuff with all the distractions. So I kind of like having minimal distractions and, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing. To and do what's that day. project called and where can we find it? Oh, yeah, that's called uh, Nova Colosso. So that's on... Uh, it's N-O-V-A, second word, K-O-L-O-S-O. -O -O, and that's on Spotify and Apple Music and all, all those good places now. Um, but yeah, and then um, Driven to Succeed is up on Amazon Prime still, which I was looking the other day. I think they it's not free on Prime anymore. I think you got to pay $2. So uh, I'm sure it's worth $2. Somebody almost got beheaded for it. It's worth yeah. $2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we get, uh, yeah, I mean, before we were getting like seven cents of you. So now I think we get close to that entire two dollars. Yeah. So, you know, I will say driven to succeed is probably as as 
a person with artistic friends, like I've gone to a lot of artistic things against my will, <laughs> out of obligation, out of fear of wronging someone, out of fear. Of As is always the case with art. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, Driven to Succeed was one of the things I legitimately enjoyed, and not just out of like a friendly, compassion way, because I didn't really know you that well when I saw it. Well, thanks so, so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, you can talk to the director at some point, and we can like have a screening one day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, that's the that's the beauty of the pandemic, really, is it gets you out of going to those artistic things at some <laughs> point, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're uh, if you're a friend like like me, who'll never really have a well, I guess people could come to Mondo, but I don't really, I don't know, I don't really care if people come to my shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because I'm just like, I, I'm just on stage screaming things into the void. Yeah. <laughs> screaming uh, into the void. Not laughing into the void. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, Sherman to Succeed is great. It reminds me a lot. Okay. So I know we're kind of running a little short on time, but I've always wondered this and I want to ask you, did you at all like think of it as a parallel to the comedy uh, used cars? I mean, it was definitely, uh, I didn't specifically think of used cars, but, um, you know, there was another 80s, like, driving school movie. It was definitely, like, firmly rooted in the 80s, you know, plot structure where there's, you know, some stupid shit that, like, the, the mayor comes in and I'm going to seize the school from you regular kids unless, you know, some yeah. outlandish thing happens. So that was the whole, you know, um, uh, premise kind of. Yeah, the whole premise was rooted in the 80s, but then the comedy itself was probably more rooted in like 2000s, like always sunny <laughs> in Philadelphia kind of style of humor where it's like, the, here's a bunch of despicable people, uh, you know, <laughs> doing inappropriate things. That was like the the hook, really. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, so check it out, everybody. Uh, let me yeah. spotlight myself real quick. I'm going to take us out. Uh, but I want to give a huge thank you uh, for coming out tonight, Mark, and having a little chat with us. Again, you can follow him on Instagram at MudSharkMark. And don't forget to check out uh, Dingleberry Dynasty's latest album, Shit Show, available on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, uh, as well as Driven to Succeed on Amazon Prime. Uh, thank you, of course, to my lovely co-host, Roz, uh, for being awesome as always. And a big thank you to you, our audience. If you enjoyed the show and want to support the stream, please consider making a donation of any size at districtcomedy.io. And uh, be sure to tune in next week as we interview TikTok celebrity star uh, Sean Barry Parsons. But I'm very excited. Uh, <laughs> Raz is very excited. <laughs> but that's it for tonight. Have a good one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.